I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. You're here with Trevor Cummings, your host of this podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And I'm here with my good friend and coworker. And how else should I describe you, Mr. Sean Latimer? I don't know. Happy Friday. Happy, happy to be here. Oh, yeah. Happy Friday. It is Friday. It's Friday. Friday the 13th. Ugh. Eerie. Weird way to end 2020. On, well, we're not ending 2020 That's true. today. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But uh, today we are going to be talking about an eerie topic. We titled this article called Completely Cryptic. You come up with all these? Uh, you know what? So I come up with them, and then Brian Tong makes them a million times better. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> so if you're wondering, and you're a listener, like, man, these titles are, are really catchy, and you like them, and maybe the subtitles are good, you can give me 0% credit, because those are all done by Brian Tong. Noted. I think I named it, what did I name it? Currently Cryptic, and he changed it, but I think that's a better title. So, man, we've never talked about Bitcoin on this podcast. I think we kind of like steered away for, from it for a while, but uh, it's definitely, I feel like it's come full circle. You know, it was really popular a few years ago, and then it kind of died down. No one really talked about it for a while. And now, I, I think I even brought it up to you a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you were already planning on doing this, but I, I feel like the conversation, it, it needs to be had. Yeah, you know what's really interesting? So, like you're talking about in 2017, and I'm going to tell a story uh, related to this, but Bitcoin was going parabolic. It was crazy. Yeah. But the thing that I found was really interesting was if you go to – I go to Google Trends sometimes because I want to see how popular a word search is. Because yeah. it sometimes relates to kind of client questions and things like that. And I thought – I don't know. I, I just thought that you would see a peak maybe going on right now because Bitcoin price is starting to get some momentum again, yeah. and it's getting back towards those 2017 price points. But it wasn't even a blip on the radar. 2017 had so many searches mm -hmm. that it makes everything else look tiny and flat. And it it's not a huge search right now, which is kind of interesting that this is all happening in the background. So why could that be happening? Because well, there's so many other things happening right now. <laughs> yeah, there's so many other things, definitely. A lot more to worry where, about. Where it was a pandemic or COVID, election. I'm sure all those were pretty... Yeah, definitely. Well, it's relative to itself. So that it's that specific word over a time period, how it's trending. Mm. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that if you go back to 2017, Bitcoin started like sub $1,000. Yeah. So all of this was new and first time. Right now, it's just kind of retracing old ground. Right. I don't know if that's the reason why, but but perhaps. Anyway, let's go back in our time machine to 2017 and how I started this article, which I remember this vividly, and I think it's funny, so hopefully you'll enjoy it too. So my wife and I were part of this small group at church. These small groups are made so you can have like a little bit closer of a community. Mm -hmm. you, you might show up on a Sunday and there's hundreds of people, but then you come to a small group and you're with, you know six, seven couples, and it's an opportunity to kind of do life together. Yeah, because you typically have kids, and it, there's more levels to relate on. Exactly. So we were at a potluck event that was organized by our small group, and I joke in the article that when you go to these events, what usually happens is the women go to one side of the room, they have their conversations, yeah. what they're interested in, and the guys go to the other side of the room and talk sports, politics, investing, exactly. all of the above. So one of the guys there, which I love him to death, great guy, he actually lives in Oklahoma now, and he was talking about Bitcoin. He had a whole computer set up outside and he was mining Bitcoin 
which I don't know if I could even describe what that means, but That's basically, awesome. yeah, basically he was extracting uh, Bitcoin through these coding and uh, these computers, and he had this whole process set up. And he was talking about how he just had this vision of what Bitcoin was going to be worth. Now, I'm not going to say he was he was right for the right reasons, but if you go back in history, he was it was uh, very fortuitous for him mm-hmm. because he was doing this all at a price point in the hundred dollars. And he was basically telling our friends and I was like, hey, you guys should be buying Bitcoin. I never did. And I'm okay with that. And I have no fear of missing out or anything like that. And we'll talk about that today. But the funny thing is, is I would I started the text message thread between me and him and other people that were there that night, basically saying this is what the price of Bitcoin was when we talked about it at the potluck. And here's where it is now. And here's how much Trevor has missed out. Yeah. And I, I added some emojis and I kind of did this in jest. And it was funny. It was funny for two reasons. One, it was it wasn't it wasn't to like show false humility. It was kind of to prove this point like. I'm still not investing in it because of these principles and reasons of why I didn't do it from the beginning, but it's really fun as a spectator to see what's happening. And he made significant money. Like he paid off his entire house with it, which makes sense, right? If you owned something in the hundreds and you were able to sell it in the 16, 17, 18 thousands, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. And I was happy for him. But what I went to when we were in that conversation at the potluck some friends turned to me as the quote unquote finance guy and they're like, Hey, what do you think of Bitcoin? And isn't that, I, side note, isn't that funny that you have to be an expert on all things almost just because it, they know that you work in the industry. So they look at you and say, what are your thoughts? And they're, they're, they're expecting like a pretty sophisticated answer. You can't be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. And that's funny because the word finance covers all things, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm recently became the treasurer at our church and I was working with somebody on the operation side and they were basically saying, yeah, I, we just want to lean on you because we know you, you, this is what you do for a living. And I was like, this is not what I do for a living. <laughs> this is bookkeeping and accounting and, and all these other things. Uh, yeah, I, I might know the language and how to ask the right questions, but this is not my day-to-day job. I've noticed the same thing, uh, volunteering for the city on the investment banking audit committee they a lot of the job is you know looking at contracts for vendors and making sure that they're appropriate but it's funny because i know nothing about construction contracts or how much something should cost and so it i totally know what you mean it's pretty funny anyway so i was at this party i was the finance guy so the heads turned to me and they're like hey what do you think about bitcoin and i started to open up this friendly debate with my friend and the kind of the primary thing i was arguing is that i don't have a tool to figure out what Bitcoin should be worth. And I was basically telling him, how do you go about valuation? Is Bitcoin fairly valued at $3,000 or is it fairly valued at $20,000? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Well, if you don't understand what I mean by that, let's talk about other investments. If you're going to go out and buy real estate because you wanted to be a landlord and you saw this as a profitable endeavor, what would you want to look at? You'd want to look at how much rent that's going to produce, right? You're measuring the price you're willing to pay for the house based on the future cash flow it's going to produce. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go and buy a business. Is it I, profitable? Yeah, yeah, is it profitable? You're going to want to know. Yeah. Is there cash flow coming out of this business? So you start to learn like probably the most appropriate or classical way of valuing a business is based on its future cash flows, right? Mm-hmm. A business 
a real estate project, whatever it is, you should try to find out what is the present value of those future expected cash flows. Where that becomes really difficult is what if it's an asset that doesn't produce some sort of cash flow? It doesn't have rent. It doesn't have profits. It's something like pork bellies or gold or oil. The whole research then changes, right? You have to have a theory on demand Mm -hmm. and you have to have a theory on supply and you have to figure out how all those things fit together to make what a fair value for that today. That's really hard with Bitcoin. And there's a lot of experts in the industry that I look to and I read their content. And that's the common question is show me the math equation you go about figuring out what fair value is. And I've seen things out there like the money supply and the velocity and how that relates to Bitcoin and all that. But really, it's still a speculative investment. Yeah, I think it goes down to philosophy, too, because there are plenty of people and and it could be because the the principles we believe in and the way we invest money. But the cash flow is important. There are a group of people out there that they look at the buy low, sell high, and they're not worried about cash flow. Their, their, Their goal is to buy something even in real estate, and sell it for a profit in the future and not even think about generating cash flow. So it's that percentage of people, but also taking a lot of speculation. Yeah, but go go there. So if somebody's going to buy real estate... So like, let's say you're buying land somewhere because you know that they're going to be developing in that area. So you buy the land for a lot less than you, you think it's worth. And then five years later, they put a Marriott hotel and a shopping complex. And now that land's worth a lot more. There's never really any cash flow. The, the goal was to buy it for this and sell it for that. You're 100% right. But the thesis there is that the market has mispriced that land. And there's going to be a future demand. The future right. demand. And the other thing, if you go out and you find people that are flipping houses, it's not the same thing, right? Because what are they going in? They're going in and they're adding value right. to the property. So they're going in, they have a dilapid- dilapidated property, they're fixing it up, they're doing all these things, and they believe that all those things that they could do, that the cost of doing those things is less than the value that it'll create. Mm -hmm. So that makes a ton of sense to me. It gets a little bit more murky when you start having conversations about Bitcoin. And what I was challenging my friend that night was, I don't have anything against him mining Bitcoin or buying it, and it's worked out extremely fruitful for him. But as an investor, as somebody that has to answer to clients and make recommendations, walk me through how you figure out when it's a good time to own Bitcoin and when it's not a good time to own Bitcoin. And I think all the Bitcoin advocators, fans out there, they've had a difficult time describing that. Mm -hmm. And I can go through the laundry list. You'll hear things, which I'm going to tell you that I don't believe in. Like you'll hear things where they'll say that this one day, and most of them are like really in the near future, is going to replace fiat currency. Yeah, it'll be like a digital currency that will be accepted worldwide and uh, standard banking won't be around. Exactly. And that it would be disconnected from some sort of central bank or management or government oversight. I'll just be really simple. I don't believe that. So for me, that argument doesn't help me get closer to wanting to be an investor in Bitcoin. Another argument out there, they might say it's a store of value, that if you place money in there and there's deflation going on, all these things, it's a it's a great place to kind of under the mattress money. Well, that's not true. It's an extremely volatile asset. If you took that argument and you bought it late in 2017 and you were paying a price point of, I don't know, 19000 and then in 2018, that quote-unquote store value, you wanted to go 
tap that resource to buy it's something. It's not under the mattress anymore because it's only worth 25% of what you put in. Exactly. It fizzled away. So for me, again, that's not a good argument. Now, there are other people that will say, hey, there's a utility to it, right? There's people in other countries that uh, it's not easy to exchange money from one currency to yeah. another. And it, there's this utility that you can actually buy things with it, which, okay, b- play that out for me. Show me good examples of people that are buying goods and services in Bitcoin. Well, look at in the U.S. and where it's a lot more developed than some of the places you're describing, and it'd be difficult to do it here. So if they're having troubles transferring money or currency exchanging in these areas, I have a feeling they're going to have troubles buying things with Bitcoin. Yeah, there is an argument to be said that there is, because of those currencies have a volatility and there's a way to electronically exchange. I get that. All I'm saying is that's not really the use case right now. No. Like the the number one advocation isn't that there's this utility of how you use this thing functionally to exchange it for goods and services. So we just went over three arguments that for me just don't really sit well. Now, we, we talked recently about this idea of not being stubborn. So I want to ask myself, uh, being somebody who's never owned Bitcoin, never recommended it to clients, could there be something that would change my mind? And the only argument that I think could have some legs is this argument that it would be like a digital gold. And I'll walk you through that. They're basically saying you can look historically what gold did and how it had basically a different behavior than stocks or bonds. And you know, research done on things like all weather portfolios and things like that. When you include gold, there was this benefit that it would zig while others zagged yep. and that you would create diversification. And I don't want to get into the weeds, but this idea that it's a non-correlating asset does create a benefit. So for all my Bitcoin advocates that are listening right now, I would really press in on that argument. Here's the challenge that you're going to have. Gold has been around since Jesus. Yeah. So there is like this deep and rich history on how it's behaved in different market cycles in whether it's 1929 or 2008 and how it behaved against interest rates, how it behaved against uh, different changes in the value of the dollar versus other currencies. So you have this deep history that you can use and run analysis on and figure out where it would fit into a portfolio. So I would say that Using that argument, calling it a digital gold, I think you're on the right track. The only problem is now you need like 50 years or 20 years or 30 years of history so that you can justify some of that argument because really this is a pretty new financial asset. I think futures were just created for this asset in I think 2017. And here's the thing. I've also never recommended gold to a client. I've never personally owned gold, but guess what? I'm not here advocating against gold, right? And I think people need to understand that you you don't have to. And I think my friends at that potluck were trying to get me to do this. Like you don't have to have a polarizing view, right? You don't have to say, if I don't own Bitcoin, if I don't own gold, then I'm going to go out and short it, right? You can just opt out, yeah, right? And I, I talked about in this article that I am perfectly happy to be a spectator rather than a speculator. You know what I mean? Like I watch a ton of sports and I don't gamble. I've actually never gambled in the sense of, you know, maybe telling a friend, I'll bet you five bucks is this going to happen. But I've never done formal gambling, but I watch a whole lot of sports. Yeah. So there's an idea that you can be a spectator. And I like talking about Bitcoin. I like hearing people's opinions. I have friends that own it. I have friends that are interested in it. And that's totally fine. The point I was trying to make is I can create a whole financial plan 
and look at all your financial goals and we can achieve everything without owning gold. We can achieve everything without owning Bitcoin. And that's totally okay. I think people, clients, investors, anybody, they want to get to a point where I'm either for it or I'm against it. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is maybe you're not equipped to come to that conclusion, but you should come to the conclusion is, does this matter? Do I need to have an opinion? Do I need to make a decision on this? Or are there other tools in my tool belt that I can use to build a portfolio that helps achieve what I want to achieve? Yeah, it is a, it is interesting too when you, because we work with all different types of clients and personalities and it definitely does align with more, maybe a risk taker mentality. The person who wants to invest in their friend's business or restaurant, they're the ones that are more excited about something like Bitcoin. But those are also the same people that tell you the sad stories of how they got hosed in some investment with a buddy or a real estate, you know, limited partnership that fell through. So I, I do see correlation on that. Yeah, because it's interesting. I was thinking about this too, about like, if I showed you one chart of Bitcoin in 2017, it would create a whole lot of a different opinion than if I showed you a chart of Bitcoin in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I talked about, that's what I was trying to get across to my friend, is that if you don't have a mechanism for doing valuation... Like you don't have these deep principles and convictions on what you believe about investing, then you're going to be victim to how you feel in the moment. And in 2017, you might have felt like, oh, this is really interesting. This has piqued my interest. I, I kind of want to own a little bit of yeah. this. When you said that, in the, sorry to interrupt, when you said that in the article that it's based off feelings, it kind of like gave me goosebumps because how many times have you heard, market's feeling kind of frothy, you know, I don't know if I want to be invested. Well, that was five years ago, and now they'd be kicking themselves, you know? Yeah, and people, the problem is they transition that, and they begin to call it intuition. Mm. I got this gut feeling. Yeah. I got this intuition. And then they're right. And, the, and what will happen is they'll be right one time, and then that confirmation bias kicks in, and they're like, see, I knew it. And then next time they double down, and they'll bet bigger, and that's when bad things happen. Yeah, and what's kept me safe is that I have these principles or these convictions to basically say, okay, for me and my perspective and kind of the lane I want to be in, there's a valuation process. There's a way to discount those future cash flows to figure out what the present value of an investment is. And I want to stay in that lane. And I'm 100% okay with it. Yeah, that's probably the lesson. It's not if you should or should not buy Bitcoin. It's, you know, stick to your philosophy and don't chase the new shiny thing. I think, yeah. you, I think you named an article Shiny Things. I think I did name an article <laughs> Shiny Things. Uh, or, or Brian did. <laughs> Brian did, exactly. Shiny Object, Shiny Things, something. But I put in the end of that paragraph, I, I talked about this idea that if you are if you don't have these principles, you don't have these this investment philosophy basically codified for yourself, then you're like an unanchored balloon. Like you're going to go where the wind takes you mm -hmm. for better or for worse. And then you're going to have some of those stories in your back pocket of like, hey, a friend had this great idea for this invention and I invested in it. And I lost X amount of dollars or, you know, Bitcoin got really interesting or fill in the blank, whatever investment. And I just came in at the wrong time. And it's hard to stay the course, too, because maybe you came in at the end of 2017 and then 2018 happened and you're like, I was wrong. And you kind of just threw it out the door. But then 2020 happens and yeah. it starts to kind of inflate again. So it becomes frustrating because the only way you're checking yourself to see if you are right is based on what price is doing today. And investments can be disconnected for a long period of time.
And I'm going to give you a sneak peek to, I think, an article I'm going to write here fairly soon. But it's this idea that you kind of look at current price to affirm what you already believe. But there's this huge benefit in investing, if you do it the right way, to being a contrarian. And I think about Warren Buffett this year, who his portfolio, relative to whatever benchmark you want to use, the NASDAQ or the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, his portfolio is struggling which is odd because a majority of his public portfolio is held in one company, the largest company in the world that makes cell phones. That we can't see. That we can't, <laughs> can't say. say. Um, and that company's done really well. So if his portfolio is struggling and that company is a big attribution of the portfolio, the other side of the coin for him means that the other positions are struggling a lot. What, what was that stat you were, you were telling us at lunch the other day that uh, I think listeners would like to hear that? Remind me. I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it was something like his publicly traded portfolio had X amount of percentage in that one yeah, company. He, that one company is like 30 to 40% of his portfolio. And it was up how much this year? It was up 40% or 50% when we were talking about it. Yeah. Yet his entire portfolio was down like 10% at that point we were talking about <laughs> That's it. That's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But this is who Warren Buffett is. He's a contrarian. He has principles. So what did he do? The most recent publication, which I love that he announces earnings on a Saturday, um, you look at the report that comes out for Berkshire Hathaway, and you can see in there that he is buying back his own stock. He is doubling down on his beliefs. And guess what? The guy is 90-something years old. He's been doing that his entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you need to follow him specifically. I'm telling you that when you see those heavy convictions about principle— there's something to be said there. And you, listener, should have your own investment philosophy and be able to explain that, which, again, nothing against my good friend at, at that night, but he didn't have a strong argument for how he was coming up with the valuation of Bitcoin. And that's where I challenged him. So for all of our listeners, when you decide you're going to make a new investment or you'd like to make a new allocation to a different asset class, take your time, right? There's no urgency needed. If you go down this route of fear of missing out and you make a knee-jerk reaction, you're not going to be happy with the decision. All of this stuff deserves diligence and patience and a good thesis for why you're doing it. And it's something you partner with your advisor with, right? Guess what? It's absolutely okay to ask about Bitcoin. You can call me today and we can have a conversation and we can go back and forth and you can help me understand what your reasoning or thinking would be. I'd love to have that conversation. Yeah, I, I throw that out to listeners. Feel free to email us. Tell us if we said anything wrong or, or something we didn't understand. We're always looking to get better. Yeah, definitely. It's a conversation to be had because we live in a country right now where that conversation is not an okay thing to have, right? We have polarizing beliefs and people would rather throw stones than have some sort of civil yeah. discourse. But all that to say, we want you to make good investing decisions. We want to help you build a portfolio that gets you to the rich and happy life you're trying to achieve. And that's what we're here to do on Thoughts on Money. So at this point, I'm going to ask you to rate the podcast, leave comments. And you're also, like Sean said, you can email us. I'm at tcummingsatthebonsagroup.com. Sean is slatimer at thebonsagroup.com. And we will absolutely be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. The 
Avancin Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.